Hey crew, it's KJ here, and this is bonus episode two of the Hashtag Am Writing Summer Blueprint Challenge. And this is maybe one of my favorite topics. So, um, boy, am I ready to go. All right, so in bonus episode one and in episode one, we talked about finding your why. Um, this time, we're kind of talking about, I, I tend to think about this as the book's why. You can also think about it as the theme, if that is a word that floats your boat, um, or the, the the book's quest, the question that the book answers. Uh, there's a whole, there's sort of a whole bunch of ways to put this, but really, you're looking for the book's bumper sticker, or maybe the lesson that the protagonist learns, or the thing that you want readers to take away from this, or you know, maybe what you want readers. The sort of obvious thing for readers to take away in nonfiction is, you know, I don't know, uh, how to row a boat better, but the underlying thing that you want readers to take away is why rowing better is going to make your life better. So this is the underlying why for sort of why this book. Last week, you were probably thinking about why, why you write kind of why this book, but also why any book? Why are you doing this thing? Uh, why, you know, why are you spending your time on this? What about this is important to you? Now we're really, we're digging into this book and we're digging into your specific idea. And every book has to have this. This is the core. This is the heart. I like to talk about the movie Die Hard because if there was ever a movie that you look at and think, all right, that's just about the plot. We care about that because, you know, it's Bruce Willis making smart-ass remarks to a bunch of bad guys in a tall building. But actually, that's not why people keep watching that movie. And it's certainly not why they say it's a Christmas movie. The reason people keep watching that movie, the reason that it succeeded, the reason that it works is that it has a heart. And that heart is, as the heart of so many movies made by men are, learning that family is more important than, in Bruce Willis's case, I think more important, you could say more important than work, but I really think it's sort of more important than being a smooth, smart-ass dude. So, you know, he had to be vulnerable to succeed in his mission. He had to both be badass and vulnerable. So, Die Hard doesn't work without an emotional heart. So what you're really looking for here in this episode is the emotional heart of what you're talking about. And trust me that nonfiction has an emotional heart too. Um, I'm kind of going to start with fiction because that's what I've been working on now. But don't worry, we're getting to the nonfiction piece of this as well. So Chicken Sisters, the heart of chickens, first of all, you're going to try to find this this week. You might not. You may still be looking for some version of this at 10 weeks down the road. You may figure this out a draft in, um, which I think was probably true of me and the Chicken Sisters. It's great. If you can figure this out now and put it on a post-it note, um, that's going to save you a lot and it's going to be fantastic, but it's okay that maybe you have three or four of these right now, you're working your way through them, um, or you, you know, you've got one, but it's a little vague, you don't make a very good bumper sticker. First of all, it's okay from a completing this assignment point of view. Remember, this is 
really about you. And, um, you know, at the end, when you're, you're reevaluating you, this is probably a thing you're going to be coming back to, but it's also okay from a writing this project point of view. Um, I think finding, well, so there's kind of three ways of getting to the theme within fiction. And the first, I'm, I'm, I'm sort of looking at my notes because I want to tell you about the theme of Chicken Sisters and the theme of In Her Boots, but I kind of came at it in, I've done all three ways at this point because I have a draft of a third book that, that is finished at the moment. So the first way to get at this theme is via your plot. So if you have a plot idea, what you, you may find your theme by asking, okay, why would this happen? Like, if, so when I wrote The Chicken Sisters, what I had to start that book was, why are there two restaurants with essentially the same name in the same two tiny neighboring towns in Kansas? Um, in the book, they're in the same town, but in reality, they're in two towns. And at some point in the book, they were in two towns, but it just got too complicated. And, hey, it was my world, so I changed it. But yeah, why? Why would you end up with those? And then from there, I kind of moved to why would they, why would be, why would be, we be interested in the fact that there are these two restaurants? Um, what kind of rivalry might have developed between them? And then I realized that, you know, a rivalry between restaurants, while great on um, an episode of Food Wars, isn't great from a, a book perspective. So what I needed to come up with was a rivalry between people. And in the Chicken Sisters, I ultimately chose sisters. And I chose sisters who had made different life choices and wanted the other to validate their choices. That, that's I mean, you could have chosen a lot of things from that. You know, you could have you could have done a rom com with uh, with uh, you know a, a, a two competing maybe exes. You could you could have done a parent child that had some form of reason to, to roll into those two restaurants and compete. You could have done a lot of things, but the point that I'm trying to make, I think, is that. I evolved down to the theme by starting with the plot and asking myself, what are some of the ways, what are some of the human ways and the human elements that would cause this to happen? So ultimately, the theme of the Chicken Sisters ended up being, um, it's okay to want something different than other people. So, and also kind of, you have to decide what you want for yourself. And you have to decide whether you're getting things right for yourself. And in the end, the grand overarching theme, which seems to be the theme of everything that I do, is how can we figure out, how can we let ourselves try to figure out what we need to be happy? I think for some people that's easy, but for whatever reason, it's not for me. So that was, that's the chicken seat, this sister's theme. And I, I mean, it took me, I couldn't have, it easily took me two or three drafts to boil my way down to that. And then once I had, found, I mean, you know, I was getting there, but once I had it, it became really clear that both, um, both of my characters, both May and Amanda, needed to learn in some sense the same lesson, which was it's okay to choose the thing that is gonna work for you. You don't have to choose the thing that works for other people. But they had already made different choices. So they were sort of 
going through these opposite experiences in order to reach the same lesson, which was really fun. And it's an advantage. Once you know the theme, you realize everybody's got to be a piece of that theme. But I'm going to get to that in a second. So another way to think about theme in fiction or another way that I find that I can find it is through the character. So if the first thing you have is less of a situation and, and more like a person, you're probably going to get your theme via why would a person do this thing? So in, in her boots, the theme is basically it's, it's okay to be who you are. Um, <laughs> which really came, comes back to it's okay to be the person that makes you happy. But so I came to that theme. I really, I started with this question of why do some people want to be a huge presence on Instagram and online and things like that? And some people really resist that. So then I came around to wanting to explore a person who had the opportunity to be a big sort of a, a to be themselves a big famous, a, a famous online presence, but rejected it. So then I start thinking about, well, why would someone reject that? And I, you know, the answer for me was kind of, well, because they're rejecting. I, I, I explored a lot of possibilities there. I, you know, I had whys that were much more about external reasons. So like the sort of Monica Lewinsky reason, you know, you could see her as the author of some famous thing, but not wanting to put her own name on it for obvious reasons. So I was looking at that, but that, that wasn't a theme. Like that was a thing. That's a thing that happens. And what I needed was an emotional reason for resisting, for resisting this. And, you know, in the end, Rhett's emotional reason for not wanting to fully inhabit this person, the persona that she'd created online was kind of, was largely because she didn't believe she really was that person. And then, you know, to take a step back from that, because she didn't feel she could fully, like being that person was her goal and she almost didn't feel like she deserved it. So again, in In Her Boots, as in, in, as in Chicken Sisters, although I can tell you what the underlying heart of the book is, it doesn't make a very good book bumper sticker. So happily, the third time around, I managed to come up with my bumper sticker before I wrote the book, and it actually almost is a bumper sticker. So the third way of coming up with this is directly to really sit down and think. So you've probably, if you're writing fiction, you've probably got an idea of what your story is and who who's starring in it. So now you got to figure out like, like, you know, why, why are they there? What, what are they going to get out of this? What, what thing do they not know that if they knew they wouldn't even be, they wouldn't have this problem, you know, because that's how so many books work is in chapter one. If the, it, it, these are more books with a because, you know, in the Hobbit, if, 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 you know, if he'd known that he was as strong enough to do this journey, it wouldn't have made any difference. He would still have had to do the, to do the journey. It just wouldn't have been as interesting. You know, nobody wants to follow 
you don't want to follow Luke Skywalker if Luke Skywalker is like, I am a badass and I can do this thing. I have nothing to learn. I will just conquer everyone. Well, I mean, maybe sometimes you do, but he better have something else to learn because maybe that's Bruce Willis. But yeah, nobody just wants to watch a person do a thing. You got to you know, watch a person do a thing and have an experience that changes them. So maybe you can get this at this directly by saying, all right, I have this person. And I have this thing that's going to happen or that this person is going to do. Why do people want to roll along with them? Like, why does it matter? So the third book that I'm working on is a pretty clear, like I knew going in that the thing that my protagonist needed to learn is that you can't control everything and you don't even really want to. So this is, this is a thing that I have been thinking about a lot, um, which is undoubtedly why I wanted to explore it in fiction. But once I had that, it really made writing a lot easier. Hang on a second. I have to cough, and for various technical reasons, I cannot stop this and start it again. So, sorry. <coughs> a, not COVID. B, you can't get COVID through a podcast, so it's all good. Sip of water. So once you are narrowing in, if you're when you're zooming in on this theme in fiction, it is going to give you so much um, in terms of making choices around the writing. So. I'm going to switch over and just, and just talk about this on, and not the nonfiction perspective for a second. So, you know, we're looking for your, your bumper sticker phrase, as I said before. And in the case of nonfiction, you're probably thinking about how does the reader change? Or, I mean, it depends on what you're, it depends on what story you're telling. If you're telling more of a nonfiction, a narrated nonfiction, then you've got the same thematic questions and the same why questions here as you would in fiction. Same with memoir. But if you're talking about the kind of nonfiction that's more of what we would call prescriptive, then you're, you're looking at how there's probably... So, for example, how to be a happier parent. To some extent, I, as the journalist, was changing and evolving and learning things as I wrote the book. But really... I was trying to help the reader to reach a point where they recognized that maybe their happiness as a parent was as important as, important as their kid's happiness as a child. And hey, sometimes maybe more. So I was sort of, and I knew that going in and right there. I mean, that's, that's the theme is your happiness is, is, is as important as your kids. I probably, I think I knew that going in. So in every chapter, I was looking for a way to move the reader along towards that. So the question, I guess, is, is what does your book help a reader to evolve towards if you're writing that sort of prescriptive nonfiction? Um, great. So, and once, once you have this, whether it's a nonfiction or fiction, it's, Kind of solve it solves so many problems for you. Um, if you're writing memoir, 
it probably is going to help you pick which of the in, which of the things that happened during the period that you're covering are worth including in this story because you're obviously not going to put in everything it would be boring and too long and just no so for memoir that's it's going to give you the same thing that it gives in fiction which is which things that happen to the protagonist push them toward in memoir you're just the, your own protagonist which things push them towards this end goal of learning this thing that you want them to learn and you also want the reader to think more about. So this is going to help you as you're looking at different chapters and asking yourself, well, what would, um, what do I want my reader to get out of this in the case of prescriptive nonfiction and in the case of narrative or memoir or fiction, how does this chapter advance my person? toward this, you know, toward this discovery? And how does it help open up this idea for the reader? So, and it also is sometimes it's going to help you see pacing problems. Like I know that, that I, especially when I really do know what this theme is, I have a tendency to, to pop the balloon too soon. So I, in the, in the last draft that I was writing, you know, I'm sort of, trucking along and, and things are happening and my people are discovering things. And when I was finished and I went back and was revising for the third time, I realized that my protagonist had figured out this thing about control too soon, like way before the ending. And then it's not any fun. Like if, if you're not sort of watching the protagonist progress towards it, both an inner and an outer goal, if they've already achieved the inner one, I mean, I, you know, sometimes that can work if the outer adventure is going to continue to be so awesome, or maybe they needed to, to, you know, Luke Skywalker needs to know that he's tough and can do this before he can actually, I don't remember the details of Star Wars, but, you know, before they can really pilot that plane in through that little hole in the giant starship. Uh, yeah, so... Sometimes it's okay to pop the balloon of, of emotional growth early, but in my case, it was not. I had let her sort of evolve into doing the smart thing too soon, and, and it, it just wasn't working. So knowing where you want to be at the end can help you figure out where you are at all the various elements of the book. And it also um, it's going to help you shape other characters. So ultimately, everything, everything in this book, whether it's uh, whichever kind of book it is, everything, everything has to come back to this question of, you know, whatever it is that you want the reader's experience to be and whatever it is that you want your protagonist to learn and whatever it is you want the reader to be thinking about. So if you have a, a bad guy, the reason they're a bad guy needs to have to do with this um, thematic element of the book. If you have a secondary character who's also got an arc of their own, that arc should in some way reflect this. And that could mean, um, you know, that it's the same. Like I was telling you about, about the Chicken Sisters, they both got the same thing to learn. They just learn it in very opposing kinds of ways. It could be that um, it's opposite, 
So maybe you have an arc of, you know, if you have your character like I do, learning that they need to let go of the desperate need to control of everything, maybe there's another character whose need is to learn that it's okay to control a few things. That's going to work too. Um, there's every, everything that's in there needs to have to do with this overarching theme. Now, but, but that said, don't panic because it's quite possible that you will write your way through the plot of whatever it is that you're doing and get to the end of it and go, oh, in order to solve this, you know, thriller question, my person doesn't need to learn not to control everything. What they need to learn is that um, uh, the only thing they can control is themselves. That's really the same lesson. What they, I don't know. What they need to learn is that um, they're, well, let's give them Bruce Willis's lesson. What they need to learn is that it's more important to show people that you care than it is to always be a strong and tough and, and you know, invulnerable person. And now you're like, oh my goodness, that, that changes everything. But you know, the good news is it doesn't. It probably changes what they're thinking about. It may change the way that they react to events, but it doesn't change the actual events, or it might, you know, but it, often it doesn't. So if you get to the end and are able to suddenly either reevaluate or sharpen this particular element of it, fear not, because I have been in these shoes. And you can go back and wash this through your whole draft now that you know more with far less pain than, than you might think. So, so there's that. All right, and that's, I mean, that's what I have to say about Blueprint Step 2, which like I said, is one of my favorite steps. And while ultimately, if you do it right, it's gonna end up with literally a single post-it note the number of pages of stuff that you're going to burn through if you're like me of going, well, what if it's, I literally write, sit down and write, what if she's trying to figure out this? And what if when she was little, her mother did this? And, uh, oh, but wait, what if the bad guy, like it was just pages and pages of this sort of what if, and, and then I'll be like, oh, I've got it. And I'll circle it. And then like two pages of what ifs later, I'm like, no, 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 it wasn't that. It's this. Circle it. Yeah. So ultimately you end up with a single post-it note, but there's a, it's a long way to get there. So don't worry, you probably won't get there this week, but starting is gonna keep you thinking about this the whole time. And I really think you're gonna find it helps a lot in finding your way to the end of this plan and eventually to the end of a book. So that's it. I really am done talking about blueprint step number two now. Hope y'all enjoyed it. Again, I'm not going to tell you all the various ways to follow us and love us and appreciate us and like us. Although, if you wanted to pop in to your podcast player of choice and give us a review and you never have before, that would make a lovely gift. But no need, because y'all know all these things. You are our friends and our fans, and we love you. And you're going to make this blueprint work for you. And at the end of the summer, you're going to be ready to make this book a reality. Okay, so keep your butt in the head. What should you do? What should you do again? You should keep your butt in the chair, not your butt in your head, because that's a totally different podcast. Keep your butt in the chair and your head in the game.